Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. What a show we've got for you this week, really, because it's Champions League-centric. Um, it has to be, doesn't it, really? What, what, does, what does this week tell us about Manchester City's chances for the treble? The Champions League, does the draw and having to play next week, does, does that potentially throw them off course a little bit in the Premier League title race? What about the race for top four, the battle at the bottom, battle for survival and... Didn't think we'd too many arguments on this, to be honest. We'll also be asking the panel for everyone's Football of the Year at the end of the show. So going around the room, I'm joined by Jeremy Cross, Andy Dunn, and um, Matt Dunn. Double Dunn. Let's start, shall we, with the um, with the Champions League review. And Jeremy, what what did you make of um, of Manchester City and meant the draw? Where does that leave them now? Do you, do you feel stronger about City? reaching the final than, than you did before the semi or, 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 or less so? I think you take, I mean, look, it, it, it takes a brave man to call that game next Wednesday simply because while City have the home advantage, obviously, which is, which is great for them, um, you just know that Real Madrid are so dangerous on the break as they proved in the Bernabeu this week. Um, they were happy just to soak up the pressure you know, the City dominated the ball for the first half an hour. It was incredible, really, to see a team like Real Madrid have so little possession in their own stadium in the semi-final of the European Cup. But then they took the lead out of nowhere, really, with, you know, through Vinicius' sensational goal. And you just thought it was just classic Madrid. That's how they play. And, um, you know, last season they produced some amazing comebacks to get to the final and win it. Um they're a different kind of team this year. They played slightly different. There's a bit more controlled, a bit more calmness about them. And, um, you know, they're not in La Liga, the title race. They've put all their eggs in this basket. This is the competition they're obsessed with winning. And I think it'd be foolish to think that City are just going to go through next week. I really would. I hope they do. <clears throat> they should do because they're the better team. <clears throat> you know, last year they were the better team as well over two legs. They probably outplayed Real Madrid, but they didn't get, get to the final. So, you know, it'll be a thumping game next week. It was a great game again. You know, I was just sat there for about 10 minutes thinking, you won't see two better teams than this, two better teams in terms of what quality they are being midfield, up front, you know. And um, I thought it was about a fair result, really, on Tuesday night. And, um, you know, it's all to play for. But I just I just think it'd be madness to, to try and get the winner out of it. It's just impossible. Real Madrid showed us again, Andy, didn't they, that basically... You're mad, as Jeremy says, to, to to write them off. What a team they are! Incredible warriors. This knack in this competition is remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And and the thing is, you know, it, it's it's almost almost um, irrelevant where the game's being staged because you know Real Madrid, if anything, in a way tie and the way they approach the game will probably suit them playing somewhere, you know, playing away from home where they're expected to defend. I mean, don't forget, you know, they they, they went to Anfield and, and blew Liverpool um, off the park. So, you know, there's, there's every chance they could do the same thing. So I, I genuinely think, you know, I genuinely think it's a 50-50 call. I genuinely think it's, as as Courtois, Thibaut Courtois said, as, as Pep Guardiola said, you know, it is essentially, you know, a cup final 
albeit on city territory, but again, I don't think that will make any significant difference. I think what might make a difference is whether, I think Pep, I wouldn't say he he, he escaped um, criticism. I'd say he escaped a bit of scrutiny for the way he eventually approached that game on um, Tuesday night. Um, you know, a lot of a, a lot of focus was on Haaland, and and obviously after the game was on Haaland and, and how he'd been relatively effectively shackled by by Rude again amongst others, um, and didn't have too many touches, not too many chances, and a lot of that focus on that, and 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 Guardiola never really changed that. He never really changed the approach. You know, now now clearly when you come away from the Bernabeu with a one-one draw. And it's hard to level any sorts of criticism, you know, because you're coming away from the 14 times European Champions with a 1-1 draw. You are now, in theory, favourites to to progress. So really, it looked like it was generally very positive, the, the, the reaction to what City did. They came back from a goal down. They scored a good goal. And as Jeremy said, they had, they had, they had you know, decent periods of possession. But in the end, he didn't change things up. He, 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 didn't, he didn't at any point sort of vary towards in that second half. And maybe, maybe, it'll just be interesting to see what happens with all those resources he's got, with Phil Foden, with Riyad Mahrez, with Julian Alvarez, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he he can take a different approach if if situation demands. And I thought he might have done that a little bit. On I noticed the Sergio Aguero. Now clearly he's biased towards his countrymen, but he did say, you know, I didn't quite understand why Alvarez, you know, would offer a. A different option, a different challenge to someone like you know Rudiger and and that defense, which you know, which you know isn't the Real Madrid defense hasn't been performing spectacularly well in, in the Liga, certainly not in recent times. Anyway, so I just wonder if Guardiola sort of by sticking with that eleven that he did for the entire game by not by not changing up a little bit, maybe missed a little bit of a trick, maybe, but I think he'll have to be more creative in the second leg, and I think especially with the demands of this weekend's game at Goodison. I think, you know, you will hopefully, for City's sake, see the impact that the players that he's got on the bench can bring to the game. And I'm thinking Foden, I'm thinking Mares, I'm thinking Alvarez in, in particular. I think it'll be won by the squad next Wednesday, who's ever squad is better. Yeah, he's incredibly finally poised. Matt, how, how do you see it? Who do you think you'll get through? I think City will get through just because uh, incredible, though Rudiger was last week, um, oh, this week, sorry, because um, I think keeping Harlan quiet for what will be three and a half hours is a remarkable achievement for anyone to, to do. And I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think Ireland's still got something to say in the, in this tight, although it's very quiet, you know, on Tuesday night. Um, I, I also think, yeah, I think City will go into the game with a bit more confidence so they'll, they'll have a fairer, perhaps, uh, treatment from the referee. Uh, um I think there was a little bit of signs of getting wound up uh, a little bit in the burnabout um, from the the lack of support that they've perhaps got, uh, and I think Etty had that. will be different, and it probably won't make a difference to the game, but it might make a difference to the mindset of the City players who will feel that they've got a fairer chance than back on the game. So it's going to be agonising tight. Um, and I don't know the longer it goes on, they'll they'll be fine. There's a amount of but I do fancy them to nick one because, like I said, it takes an incredible defence um, to stop Haaland and, and Real Madrid don't have that. Real Madrid, it was quite notable how aggressive they were with the tactics. Carval basically was having a 
ding dong, a ding dong all night with uh, Grealish. I had to tell him to calm down, and um, Gundogan, Gundogan was on the wrong end of some rough treatment as well. So it was Clinton Ireland. You know, so that's clearly it shows what a streetwise team they are, you know. And you know, you don't want to see it, but they will do whatever they need to do to get the job done. That's why I'm loath to call it really. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. You know, I think because the game is such a, an engrossing spectacle and two fantastic goals in the game, you know, you know. Let's get that right. I do think the element that man Jeremy just referred to was overlooked slightly in the, in the sense that Real Madrid really, I think they, I mean, they are so streetwise is, is that they can gauge, I thought they gauged pretty early on that the referee was going to be relatively tolerant. I think, I think they sussed that out early on. Carval certainly sussed that out early on. And I think they thought, well, well, hang on, we'll push this as far as we can. And City were in control of that game. And then, Obviously, Rudiger then, it wasn't even given as a foul, but basically, you know, um, let's give him the benefits of the doubt and accidentally banjoed Gundogan. All of a sudden, you know, City teammates, City, City were then incensed by that. You know, they were perhaps thinking of when he accidentally banjoed Kevin De Bruyne when he was playing for Chelsea against Manchester City in the 2021 final that left De Bruyne with a, a bust nose and a fractured eye socket. Maybe, maybe that came to mind. They were certainly incensed, and Guardiola's incensed. And, you just got the feeling then. At that point, I just got the feeling that actually, you know what? They, they've rattled them now. They've lost their. They were doing anything to to throw City off, to to, to basically to disturb their composure, to get them out of that of, of of that passing routine that they were in. And they'll do they'll do that. So the referee, I mean, whoever it is on them, I don't know whether we know yet, do we? But um, whoever the referee is on Wednesday at the Etihad has got. I mean, one heck of a job on his hands. It really is. Because, you know, the Etihad gets criticised for the lack of atmosphere, but it won't be wanting for atmosphere on Wednesday night. I think we can be sure of that. I, I wonder, you know, it was such a tight game, wasn't it? And basically, so much to for next, next Wednesday at the Etihad. That does it have an impact on, on, on Manchester City and, and Manchester City's focus this weekend? They go to Everton and basically Arsenal then play after, don't they, against Brighton. Will it have a focus, Matt, do you think, on, on potential outcomes on the title race? Will it have a, you know, could it, could this be the weekend when, if we were talking about where the city's resolve and focus will be tested, is this the weekend? I think this is the weekend. So yeah, it's going to be a tricky one because they are so wrapped up in this tie that, that if focus is going to slip, it's going to slip. Um, you know, this weekend, but especially as Everton couldn't be in better shape after their last performance. Um, that said, it's going to be an easy one with hindsight. If they do slip up, then we'll all say, oh, it's because of the Real Madrid game. But there again, they've slipped up in the past when they haven't had a Real Madrid game. It's so hard to tell. All I do know is that Guardiola spent the last five years trying to coach into his side the mentality that you play Wednesday, you play Saturday, Sunday, you play the next Tuesday. Uh, and you do, and you perform in all of those games. So it won't be for one of trying to prepare them, and the coaching staff will be on top of it. Um, and, and I think the players now have done this enough times that they can't really use as an excuse because you know that is just the way of things. That's the way the fixture list falls, uh, and you know they'll get on with it. I think they'll be too much for Everton, um, but uh, and it helps um, that uh, it's you know that they've um, yeah. It, that they are playing an empty side who might feel that they've got their three points out of these two fixtures as well. So, you know, I don't know if it'll be the toughest 
test for them as much as Everton, you know, performed so well um, on Monday. In ideal world, he would love to rest De Bruyne, love to rest Rodri, you know, even Haaland, give him a break. Well, I think what I'd be hoping for is that the two or three goals up in an hour, he can, can make some changes then. But I think, you know, City are on such a roll with the results in the last couple of months. They're just playing on a generally now, these players. It's just in such a groove, you know, they're just so focused on what, what they need to do. I think they're actually like, I mean, Fergie said it, didn't he, back in 99 when the, when the travel players actually thrived on the challenge of it. You see a similar, similar thing happening at City now. Listen, I did watch the game last night. I don't know who else caught it, but it was fantastic, you know, entertainment, wasn't it? I mean, what a start, by the way. And you, 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 I'm a little bit sorry for Bakari uh, tomorrow because they did such a big feature on him before the game, which you know, it's such an eloquent, well-spoken, you know, kind of deep thinking, terrific, terrific player. And they'll build him up, build him up. And then, and then, you know, not always him, I should add, but basically Milan's defence just fell apart to enter. I mean, it was just astonishing the way they were taken apart in that first half. Could have been more, frankly. Um, but then, guys, how do, you, how, do, how, do you, how do you see that one now? I mean, surely Inter will make the final, won't they? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's by far the better side. I mean... I thought I thought Milan um, to see them, you know, they they didn't look like or perform like a team, a last four Champions League semi final team. Listen, it was a good game last night. I enjoyed it. Particularly enjoyed the opening the opening um, stages of it. I thought Inter were brilliant. I thought Checo's finish just reminded me. You, you know, it reminded me. I've always I've always thought that Checo is one of the most underrated strikers. I was you know thirty seven. One of the most underrated strikers over the last decade and a half. I don't think it's funny. There's a good stat about um, Haaland's goals, about how many of them have been one touch. I don't think I've seen a better one touch finisher than Eden Jekko in his volley last night. I thought was was just typical of that. And I thought into a good, um, and obviously could have put it way beyond doubt had the controversial VAR decision not gone not gone against them. I didn't think it was a penalty. Did you? I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, I did. But but I was really happy that it was overturned. Because he made so much out of it, you know. I actually think it was a penalty. I do. I I, I think it was a penalty. I think, you know, there was contact. He 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 certainly impeded him. I thought, but just because he made such a ridiculous dive, arms flailing in the air, I just thought, well, that's funny. That's been overturned because it saves you right for being, for being so theatrical. Um. So I thought thought that was good. But but listen, in the answer, I think people are being a bit condescended towards not just um, Inter and Milan. Um, I think they're also being condescended towards Italian football and towards Serie A when it's just assumed that, you know, the winner of Wednesday night's game at the Etihad is the winner of the Champions League. I really do. I, th- I, think, I, th- I think Inter showed it off last night to remind us, as if anyone with any sense needed reminding, that it's going to be a hugely competitive game, whether it be Inter or Milan versus um, Manchester City or Real Madrid. You know, I do think you saw enough in that game last night to think it's still going to be one heck of a challenge for whether it's Real or City if they play as I would expect them to. Inter, interesting. No, I, I actually, th- yeah, I just think it would be such a one-sided final. But there you go. Well, it's, yeah, you're the exact person. I'm not the part. Me too. There's three of us here, all think the same. I mean, Italian clubs are, are, you know, have been in terms of teams through to um, the last four of European competition. They're the most successful this season. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't. I, again, I just think it's it, 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 this glib dismissal of Italian football is is you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Literally, couldn't even qualify for the World Cup. We're not all Italian players, mate, in the teams, are they? To be fair, my issue with the, the the Italian teams at the moment is, I think even they would say, look, at the moment because we're so cash strapped and we're struggling. I mean, Napoli bucks the trend; they've been sensational, but obviously AC Milan knocked them out. But basically, I thought last night was a terrific game because it was a head-to-head against two Italian teams. It was incredibly close and, 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 and you know, it was a real fantastic game. AC Milan edged through against Spurs and a really poor Spurs, Spurs side over, over, over the course of the past. And Spurs should have won that game. And, and frankly, AC Milan pulled off a miracle when they, they won the Sierra t- a title. It's a tribute to the players and to the manager to pull them together. And the squad basically... Rounded up of, of of rejects and cheap buys, and 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 they raid the younger English market as well, and they do it brilliantly. But basically, whenever they come up against, and they'd be the first to admit this, I'm sure that whenever they come up against, you know, the billionaires of of England and 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 Spain, they struggle. I'll tell you what, the, 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 the race for the top four, I think, is, is absolutely fascinating now because I'll tell you what, there's a few Man United fans who were getting twitchy even before uh, this weekend, and if they weren't, then they will be now because what does, you know, what does, Matt, you were there at West Ham, what does that defeat at the London Stadium do for Manchester United? What does it do indeed for David De Gea, do you think? Well... Apparently owns him a new contract, as seems to be what some of the talk is. Um, I think that would be a huge mistake, to be honest, because I think he'll um, he'll intimidate other players from joining the club. Um, and I don't think he'd be happy to sit on the bench and be the sort of mentor keeper. Um, so, yeah, I think I think probably after throwing that one in, uh, like he did uh, against West Ham, yeah, the, the the sooner he's out, the, yeah, they've got an opportunity to have a fresh start, basically. Um, then, uh, yeah, so I, I don't think that's a particularly good move. Uh, and you're sort of left with the fact that if United were to drop out, Ten Hag, who's been the, the most wonderful manager all season, suddenly he's playing fairly ordinary football with Marcus Rashford on the end of it. Yeah, counter-attacking against teams like Brighton, because um, of both those games, so perhaps I'm... Uh, had a lucky mascot for them, but um, but but yeah, no, I saw nothing in either of those two games that made me think, yeah, this is a United team on the cusp of something great again. Uh, and I think perhaps the reality is hitting through. You got Rashford there scoring goals at the top of the the, the tree, uh, well, just off the top of the tree. But then when you got Weghorst next, I oh, know that's only a temporary thing. You know they nearly really need to address that situation uh, drastically over the summer. But but there, there wasn't a lot. Defender Luke Shaw looks, you know, off his game as a centre back, and if he's keeping Maguire out of the team, then that doesn't look particularly strong. Uh, you know, Fernandez seems to have gone off the boil. You know, it's really bad timing with a run in, and and you know, like you say, a few jitters, and they could throw away a position that they should have tied up weeks ago. De Gea has not had the protection of um, Varane and and Martinez lately. You know, those those two are essentially now. Announced first choice centre back pairing. So, you know, when they take those two players out of that defence and De Gea looks even more vulnerable than he would do anyway. So, 
I agree with Matt. I think it's an absolute golden opportunity, this, for United to say, you know what, thanks, mate. You've had 12 or 13 great years of service. But, you know, you're 30. I think he's going to be 34 in November. You know, there's a chance then to target a new goalkeeper that they can, they can allow a young goalkeeper or who was already established, but he's younger, under 30, and go from there. Because I think if United want to challenge for the Premier League, Choppers League, which is their benchmark, that the De Gea's footwork, let alone his mistakes, his footwork's nowhere near good enough. You don't even, you know, when you compare him to Edison or Allison at Liverpool, it's just, there's just no comparison, really. And they, these top teams, you need a goalkeeper with great feet, and he didn't have great feet. No, great hands, either. No, I mean, I do think it is so noticeable. I mean, Ten Hag clearly wants to play out and build from the back, and De Gea is just not that that goalkeeper. Or is he Andy? I mean, it's just bizarre. No, no, he, he, he's not. And, I, and I, I agree with Matt and Jeremy um, 100% on, on the game. It just seems, it just seems a chance to, to, to you know, it, it just seems that you're not, for want of a better phrase, you're not moving with the times by keeping with the game. Listen, I think, I think he, he, he you know, it, I think for his, for the way he saved Manchester United, for how long he saved Manchester United, for the things he's done for them, then you know, I I think he deserves to go on his own terms, um, and I think he should realise that. As Matt says, he's too young to be a mentor for a start off. You know, he, he is, and I know I know he's he's only early thirties, but uh, sorry, I know he's early thirties, but that is still relatively young in goalkeeping terms. You know, he 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 won't want to be a mentor. That's the the idea. Um, I think what that the idea is, is nonsense. But interestingly enough, I think. Another aspect to will be, will the United, and again, this, and a lot of people will think that actually the takeover um, situation is not, won't affect United, et cetera, et cetera. It shouldn't do. But, you know, will they be thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, if a bit of man did, the David Ayer, and again, it is probably down a lot down to the likes of Rana Martinez, but he has got the most clean sheets of any goalkeeper this season 15 clean sheets, two more than. Um, the second place goal, which I think is Allison. He has got Manchester United's appearance record. He has Peter Schmeichel's overall record of, of clean sheets. You know, the guy has been a good goalkeeper. It's unfortunate for him that his mistakes have come in, in this short burst. You know, essentially, I don't know how many it was, two, three against Seville, and then an absolute howler um, for not keeping out Ben Rama's shots against West Ham. It's unfortunate they've come at a time when his contract is also in focus. Um, but I do think, you know, is this United, is this the United board thinking, well, hang on a minute, if we can get away with De Gea for another year, another two years, we're not going to have to go out and spend £60 million, however it may be, on a goalkeeper. How much is, for example, um, Costa from Porto going to cost? How much is David Rea from Brentford going to cost? Who is it you're going to replace them with? Um... Are they thinking, well, actually, you know what? We can use that money um, for other outfield targets. I don't know. And if they are, it's wrong. You know, if, if they are, it's wrong. It, it shows that United, in terms of recruitment and in terms of contractual issues, are still way behind others. And again, I totally agree with Jeremy. It's just a sign. You know, if you ask Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola who their most important players were over the last five, six, seven years, you know, they would they wouldn't single out individuals, obviously. But they, I'll tell you what, they wouldn't have many above Edison and Allison, would they? Simple as that. And and they are different type of goalkeepers. But you know, I think I think the Gaia 
I felt a little bit sorry for him at West Ham. You know, when he was just when when he let that soft goal in, because I think I think he's always been quite a he's, he's been a great goalkeeper. I think he he could have years ahead of him as a great goalkeeper. I think he's quite he, he comes across as quite a humble guy. He's not as you know as loud and as abrasive and as whatever as other goalkeepers we could all name. Um, and so for that, I feel a little bit sorry. I think he deserves a, a new start somewhere else. But it just feels like. You know, it, it, it's time for both the club and him to start afresh somewhere. It feels like sentiment could be played not only this whole thing, but at this level, sentiment shouldn't be allowed to come into it. Like, what ultimately Ten Hag's got to ask himself is, do I still trust it? And I think he's going to struggle to find that, come up with the answer being yes. That's the issue. So, you know, like Danny said, they should just be a part of the ways. You know, he has been, he has, at the time, he was sensational to get. He really was. So when he first joined United, I remember there was a, a lot of doubts about him. You know, he made a really shaky start under Fergie. And he grew and grew and, and became a really, at one point, he was probably the best goalkeeper in the world. And shot stopping. He's always been, he's always been a great shot stopper, which is obviously wasn't the case in West Ham. So, but not just that, he flapped at a couple of corners, didn't he? And looked out. And she just let on confidence. And I just think it's just the right time for United to say thank you and, you know, good luck. Undoubtedly, United owe him a great big handshake. The trouble is that they will probably go through his finger. And the other the other really interesting dynamic on this one is that obviously Newcastle then, then lose as well um, at, at home to Arsenal. And all of a sudden you're thinking Liverpool, they couldn't, could they? I mean, Liverpool are on this winning streak and I know they didn't play particularly well against Brentford. Blimey, do me a favour. How many games have they had in a, in a row? And they've just got it done. And you just feel as if now, if they've got this little gap until Leicester Monday night, you fancy them strongly, don't you, to kind of carry on winning with getting their breath back, if you like, uh, recharging the batteries. And, and, and frankly, I think Liverpool, you know, are in there, in there with a strike. I don't know. I don't think Newcastle are vulnerable. I think Newcastle will surely have enough, particularly when, you know, when you've, they've got games at home. But Liverpool are a real threat, Matt, do you think? Oh, yeah. They're, they're looming very large. Um, uh, and if Newcastle or United slip up, I think, I think you'll, I agree with you for once. Um, I think Liverpool will go through this season. Um, so it's up to United and Newcastle to stay in front of them. Um, that that's why seasons as long as it is, and why it's actually the true measure of how good teams are. Arsenal have found that a little bit to their cost um, in the sort of in the running, and I think Liverpool are going to do some damage uh, over the next few weeks if if Newcastle and United allow them to. That's it's just a big juggernaut in the in the rearview mirrors. That yeah, I do, I do. You know, I don't know. I like, yeah, I think Liverpool are really. I mean, United saving grace, Andy, is that maybe they've got the games at home, but. You know, yeah, but and, and the home form's good. That's the saving grace. But how, however, they are in, in a in a poor run of form. Yeah, they really are. In, in a, and and they're not looking great. You know, and players who you think are important players aren't playing particularly well. Casemiro isn't playing particularly well. Anthony isn't isn't really contributing much defensively. They've got they've got they've got injury issues. You know, and 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 no matter what you say about, I mean, you know, people always say to me, well, you know, Luke Shaw's done well standing in the centre half. And it's going in ahead of Harry Maguire, but it still smacks of a, a, a very makeshift defence that is vulnerable. I also come back to you know whatever we whatever people think about United, they're still a big scalper team. So I, I do think when they, for example, even though they'll be safe, when they go down to Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth will 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 raise the game. 
No, I think Chelsea, you know, Frank Lampard taking Chelsea to Old Trafford will be far more a test, particularly if Frank is, will have maybe, hopefully will maybe have another win under his belt. You never know. I think, I think that will be more of a test than we think it is. You know, I, th- I think, I think, sa- I mean, certainly Saturday is an absolute must-win game. You know, they've got Wolves on Saturday. I mean, it really is a must-win game for them. But listen, I think that's going to their last. I think, I think Liverpool win all their games. I think Liverpool win all their games, which means you, you know the the, the, the pressure is on. I can see it going down to to, to the very last day. I, I, I really can. You smell blood. They've won six on the spin and they've got. Leicester, Villa and Southampton left to play. That's, that's, I reckon they'll get nine more points. But I've got them on 71. That means United will have to get nine more points from their four games because the goal difference is so inferior. But I've got them at plus eight when United. They're late in the table. It's astonishing, isn't it? The team qualified for the Champions League with a plus eight goal difference. That's a lot about where United are at. I know we touched on it before, but I think these last couple of weeks have really made you think, you know what? He has made progress tonight, but there's still a heck of a long way to go before they are anywhere close to Man City. Liverpool's next opponent's Leicester. And Leicester and Leeds are, I don't know, looking very vulnerable. That's a big result for Forrest on on, on, on Monday night, wasn't it, really? And... um, you know, leave Southampton, you know, all but doomed, frankly, doesn't it? I, I, I mean, I must say, I'll, I'll be sorry to see Southampton go because I just think they're trying to do things a bit differently and basically is a good setup there. And I think actually it probably brings into sharp focus that actually Hasnoodle wasn't so bad after all, um, to be honest. But I think Teller's to, to actually done, done a decent job. It'll be interesting to see what they do next with him. But Leicester and Leeds, Leeds an absolute mega club. You know, with Big Sam, Leicester champions in 2016, they could both go, and it's it just. And where do you start? Well, I mean, let's start with Leeds, shall we? Because they've got this very enticing game with with obviously with Newcastle, and Big Sam will be fired up for that, won't he? But I mean, I mean, there's a big fan, Big Sam Defence Society, and Matt Dunn here. But you know, did you see enough there, Matt, from from the City defeat that gives you sort of kind of belief that he can keep Leeds up? I had to turn the volume down because of all the effing and jeffing from him for, for uh, from the touchlines. I mean, it was big Sam back being big, big Sam, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know if City's going to be the measure uh, of what he can achieve there um, because they were, I mean, I, I think 2-1 probably flattered them, but at least it gave them a bit of heart. And if that helps, then there's some carry forward from that and he's got something he can point to to take into the, these games to come, then perhaps it'll help him. Um, it's really hard because... Uh, the one, the one thing is, is because Lee's big problem at the moment is they're leaking goals. That's something he can sort help sort out. Um, the same as Roy Hodgson does when he goes into teams. You know, he'll get them organised. They might nick a point or two. It's hard to see them nicking three points ever because they're not scoring many either. But, um, but, uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's something there for him. I think. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a battle right to the end and. I think Forrest's result doesn't help anyone because I think they were, you know, both Leeds and Leicester were banking, perhaps on Forrest being one of the ones to finish below them. Um, and that's thrown it wide open again. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a battle. Uh, all I know is from 
knowing Allardyce for so many years is that he'll find any trick or whatever that he can do and throw that at the job um, to try and keep them up. Um, whether that's successful this time, um, yeah, time will tell. But but I think it's one of his biggest Reddit air missions yet. So, uh, so yeah, one of the toughest. But uh, that said, you know, they've, they've got some players still and, you know, it could be anyone. So that's, that's effectively a long-winded way of saying that, to be honest. It, I wouldn't want to put money on it either way. No, he is interesting with Leeds. I thought he was so noticeable. And, he, he, you know, he obviously tried to take the heat off the players, didn't he, by making bizarre comparisons to other managers. And I can't believe it. He doesn't see them as bizarre. Well, I know. Surely that was a tactic. I don't, you know, surely I think. And then basically trying to buy into, in, into the fan support after the game, wasn't he? Basically also sort of really revving them up, beefing them up for their support, which they offered, you know, um, at Man City. And they did do that brilliantly, the lead support. But, I mean, Jeremy, do you think, you know, I mean, it's a huge game now, isn't it, the hiccup? Can it, you know, can 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 they get something out of that? I mean, logic would say, wouldn't it, that it's a Newcastle win. I mean, yeah. they, did, they, they played Leicester, actually, a couple of weeks ago, and they went to do it. And, and Bamford, if you remember, missed a chance right at the end to win it for Lee. And I thought, I left the ground thinking, you know what, that, that really might be their, their moment of their season, that they might that back really cost them. Because you just look to the fixtures they had coming up and you can't see where they're going to get another point. You know, they often puffed at Man City last week and they were more obviously resolute at the back. Don't forget, City missed the penalty. And, um, you know, Newcastle, they scored a lot of goals. So, like Matt said, the, the issue is they can't, they can't defend very, they don't defend well enough. To give themselves a chance of winning a game. So, and I think he's such a I'm nothing against Sam at all, but I just think it's absolutely bonkers to change your manager in four games left of the season. I really do. I just think it's crazy. And, you know, he, he can he can try all at once, but he's just, you can't expect someone to come in and save you, save him in four games. It's unheard of. So, I really fear for Leeds, and I think Leicester will go down as well. Yeah. And he just, Talk to us about Leicester because 2016 they were champions. It's the greatest story in Premier League history, you know, in, in, in many people's minds. And I mean, you know, the fall from grace has been has been dramatic, hasn't it? But you can surely trace it to a lack of investment, hasn't it, over over transfer windows and trying to balance the books and and that sort of thing, isn't it? Or, or is it more obvious or deeper than that? I, I, listen, I, I suppose you could. I suppose the investment hasn't been, you know, you know, hasn't been spectacular but they have four players and listen they've sort players as well they still have I mean, it's still a squad that when you look at the squad you know you, you're still you're still slightly taken aback that they're in such a parlous position and let's face it you know I mean they were shocking the other day and and I can't see how less they get out of this mess at all but yes when you look at the squad and you think you've still got players of the quality of Telemans of Madison of Vardy though although Vardy looks to be something of a fading force. They've got, you know, they've got some great young players there. They've been looking with some injuries as well. Um, and it just happens, you know, it, it, it genuinely just happens. But again, going back to what Jeremy just said about changing the manager, you know, sometimes it can work um, if, if that manager is clearly not getting anything out of the players and the players just don't want him there. And I think that's what happened in Vieira's, Patrick Vieira's case. But I, think, I don't get that impression at Leicester, you know. I, I, I do think getting rid of someone like Brendan Rodgers at that time um, didn't make a great deal of sense. And particularly when you'd seen that, actually, it wasn't that long ago when they had this little mini run, I think a couple of wins on, on the spin and the game that they should have won, where they actually played some great football. 
and they were capable of playing some great football. They still are, but again, defensively, they just they just you know they've just had a, a, an absolute shocker in in certain games. I also get the impression sometimes as well. I don't know what, and I'm not saying this has been the case with um, some of their higher profile players. Well, you suspect it may have been that when it gets to this stage of the season, and I think this might be the case with Southampton, you know, and I, 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 I guess it might be human nature, is that there are probably certain players at Leicester who know that Leicester City, even if they go down, those players won't be going down. I think there's a couple of players in Southampton know if Southampton go down, which they will, they won't be going down, if you get my meaning. So I think... I'm not questioning their motivation, but subconsciously, subconsciously, Madison, James Madison, for example, knows he's not playing championship football next season. Really, doesn't he? You know, T. Lemon knows the, 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 the T. Lemon knows the same thing. James Ward Prowse probably knows the same thing, you know, Southampton. And I do think that that can have, have, have an effect on the, on the sort of, on the collective um, efforts. But listen, they've just, you know, they, they've simply, it can happen. The teams go off form, the players, you know, form falls off. The, the the recruitment isn't right, um, and that's what's happened to Leicester. You, you know, there's certainly. Don't forget, uh, we, we can't say it was such a huge. On the one hand, we can't say, isn't it an, an unbelievable the shock of the, the fluke of not the fluke, but the shock of the century that they win the Premier League and then say we expect them to stay there. We don't. Now, the season before when the Premier League, the, the season before they went to won the Premier League, they almost went down. They, you know, they were only kept up by Nigel Pearson in the last few games of that previous season. So that, in a way, was probably more indicative of their general level than winning the title was in that, in that you know, and this, that, that, you know, I hate using the word, but you know, rather freakish season. So I think Leicester will go, um, just, 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 just quickly, I, th- I, th- I think Leeds will. And I think the thing with what happened with Leeds was that, and what was unfortunate for Allardyce, was that anything, other results... You know, Everton winning five one at Brighton was an absolute. I, I mean, that is a mortal blow to, to Leeds United. The Forest win, big blow. Also, the fact that then Liverpool are closing the gap on Man United and Newcastle. Newcastle, you know, Newcastle getting beat by Arsenal. Schultz last weekend means that Newcastle. There's still quite a significant element of jeopardy for Newcastle. They need to go to Leeds to win. I think they got Leicester after that, haven't they? As well, Newcastle, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So all so Newcastle are highly motivated, even more motivated than they, they were. And of course, the results that went around, you know, Everton have got, obviously, City at home, and I, and I actually fancy them to get something on Sunday. And then they've got Wolves and Bournemouth. You know, I, I think all of a sudden, huge, huge momentum with Everton. Everton need one more point, don't they, basically? Yeah, I didn't, probably, yeah. And, and don't forget, Jeremy, you, I mean, remember we, last week, and it was totally correct, we had the discussion where, you know, Leeds could stay up without winning the game. Sam could earn his million pounds, his two million pounds, his half million pounds, whatever it might be, without winning the game. That's not the case anymore. Nama's got to go out and find a way to win football matches in these last three games. The argument might be that he's better suited to actually making sure they don't lose football matches rather than go out and find a way to beat Newcastle. To go back to Leicester, um, I think that one of their big problems the last few weeks has been not not a Johnny Evans. He's been injured since March. His experience and quality at the back has been probably killed him on it. But when you think about how many players they've sold Leicester over the years, got big money, and they're not invest reinvested that money into other players. So you know you get what you you get what you you know 
you get your comeuppance eventually, don't you, the Premier League? You're right. It's a defence, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, the goalkeeper was a big call, wasn't it, from, from Brett Rodgers? Because I did feel as if, you know, Schmeichel was a big sale, wasn't it? And basically in terms of, you know, the that he had and, you know, sort of he's probably on a big contract and they're sort of kind of looking to to change that. But to replace him with them, with Darren Waters, obviously then lost his place to Everson. But it was a big call. But, you know, defensively, it's just not been just not been good enough. And when basically the other one, the, the player you throw in the mix, oh, I love this player, is Harvey Barl. You know, really good, really good player. Uh, how they're in this, you know, when you consider their, the kind of, you know, everyone by the defence, you know, <laughs> shouldn't be going down. But then basically, you know, I had this discussion with someone the other day saying, has Dean Smith been a good appointment? You know, and basically I'm, I'm not really... I'm not sure you will only know at the end of the season, but my general perception is probably hasn't done enough. But then basically, you know, if he can get somehow get a you know, get another win, then it might it might be enough. Not really speed of winter and managers, has it? He really hasn't. But I tell you what, Dean Smith, he, he actually if you analysed over the course of the piece, the results haven't been that haven't been too bad. It's just that basically they they've picked up results when others have and it it hasn't swung dramatically enough for them. You know, the big winners last weekend were Everton and Forest because they win, but equally, the other results went went for them. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Jamie Vardy as well, won't it, if Leicester go down? Because, I mean, his age, is he, he's not going to want to be trolling through the championship, is he? I just think he's been phenomenal for Leicester. What a player. Yeah. That, 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 that game at Leeds, you know, when... When he, you know, it was just Jamie Vardy, wasn't it? Copyright Jamie Vardy, you know, upset the league support, celebrates in front of them, and basically absolutely loves it. It's been one of the great stories, isn't it? Basically, just from you know, rags to riches, sensation. If I if, if I may give you a a, a, a a lead into next section, a former footballer of the year, Jamie Vardy. Well, thank you very much indeed, Alan Pard. What a lovely, lovely link. Um, but yes, so indeed. So we do announce the Football Writers Association, our, our um, Footballer of the Year um, tomorrow. Um, so we've got two to choose from. And I just wonder um, uh, who, who, who you choose from. I'm, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Shall I, shall, I, shall I go first and completely be open and reveal my, my votes? And I'm sure I probably, it's it, it very obvious, but Erling Haaland, I'm not sure that you can... You can break so many records and then not be an absolute, you know, runaway winner. Of course, he, d- he deserves it for Manchester City. What a game changer he's been. And of course, I'd, I'd say, look, I think the women's vote is a little bit more open, if I'm honest. But I did go for, for, for Sam Kerr because I think she's been outstanding. So um, I wonder if anyone's got anyone anyone different. But please, let's go around the room. Let's start with you, Andy, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I voted and um, and I voted Erling Haaland. You know, I just think it, it, it's you know, it, it's not between two. It's between you. you we'll always have a there'll be some unusual votes. Mark my words. Uh, uh, um, when you go through whose votes, there will be some left field votes. And also, I would say is Erling Haaland absolutely no doubt for me. I think what's more interesting is if you, if you had to have a if you had to have one of those alternative votes where you had someone who who's never going to get it, but you know, and actually up until last the game against Everton on Monday. When he had a particularly poor game, strange enough, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't have said, you know, Alexis McAllister for me was one of the players of the season. Bringing in the fact that he was so influential in Argentina's World Cup and had arguably been 
one of the best midfielders in the country. That would have been my left field choice, but my obvious choice is Erling Haaland. Under normal circumstances, somebody like Odegaard would have had a chance, wouldn't he, winning it this year? He's been brilliant for Arsenal, but we've just we've just lived, we've just witnessed something so amazing this season, Haaland. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna set a target that only he probably wants a chance of beating. You know, it's been a privilege to watch him play this season. He's a sensational player. And he's still only 20. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Matt? Yeah, there's a thing. It's a complete full house. Um, we all knew it was a no-brainer that he was going to do well in the Premier League. He's built for Premier League football. He, you know, he's exactly what City wanted. But it's the way he's done it as well. I um, watched him recently um, against Fulham. Uh, and some of his interplay as well. as his, Yeah, if we're talking about football of the year rather than goal scorer of the year. You know, he just helps the City team to tick as well. Um, and he's exceeded all expectations. And anyone who has what looks like possibly still being a record-breaking, well, he's broken various records, but that Dixie Dean impossible target of a few years ago now suddenly looks possible again. And uh, and that's an incredible achievement in sort of modern football. So, yeah, absolutely no question. Just laughing, Crossy. Remember when we all went to do the charity shield at the start of the season? Liverpool beat uh, Man City at Leicester and um, Haaland had a bit of a shocker to be honest he missed a couple of really good chances and we're all thinking not sure it's going to work this as forward nine months really struggling in the city I, I, as, as Pep reminded you the other day pal in that press conference <laughs> yeah true yeah no it's um, yeah, it's been a hell of a ride I just think yeah, Haaland is you know, phenomenal, isn't it? Really, I, I never thought, I never thought that anyone would break Clive Allen's forty-nine goal record in in the modern era, if you like, just because it was such a freak achievement then. And now to smash past it is just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining. It's uh, nice to see you all, and thanks so much for watching. And uh, see you sometime, sometime next week.